When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey parents, my name is Tim Wright. I'm here along with Dr. Michael Gurian, and we're with you for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. And uh, today we've got a really tough subject to talk about, but it is such an important subject. And that's about how to talk about death and even suicide with your kids or your grandkids. And we've got a listener who has a a personal reason for sending this in, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Um, You can uh, send us questions at any time through our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. There's a form there, a submission form. And uh, we do get your questions. Uh, We've said this over and over again. We have a lot of them in the queue right now, but we're working our way through and want to take time with each of them. And uh, questions like these are so important. They affect all of us. And that's why we love our listeners' questions. You can also go to Wonder of Parenting on our Facebook page. Uh, It's uh, Facebook and then it's Wonder of Parenting. And just do a little search and join that group. And there's a lot of good conversation there. I do a question of the week that you can talk about. We uh, make sure that we post the podcast there as well. And then you'll learn more uh, on wonderofparenting.com about our good sponsors, the podcast. the center, a place of hope up in the Seattle area, doing great work helping people manage uh, some of the really tough life situations like this one we'll talk about today. Uh, So Michael, I want to read the question for you and uh, so glad that you're here to give your insights on this as well. Um, Thank you, Joe. Yeah, this comes from uh, a a mom and she, uh, her name is Elaine. She said, loving your podcast and we, we appreciate that. Can you talk about how and when to talk to your kids about suicide? My husband's father died by suicide, and my uh, boys are six and four. They've asked how Grandpa died. We need to find a way to tell them, but make them understand that suicide isn't an option for them. Um, and uh, so while her question is specifically about talking about suicide, we're going to expand this a bit and just talk about death in, in uh, general terms as well with our kids. But Michael, let's start with discussions about suicide. And what are some things that you might say to get the conversation going? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's developmental. She's very wise to ask this question. We don't tend to want to be talking about suicide developmentally for kids till about eight, you know, eight or nine, where their brains have sort of developed enough to get it. Um, and I, I, the American Pediatric Association uh, uses eight as the marker, eight years old. Every parent would make a decision based on the maturity of their child, but I think that's a good marker, eight. So these children are four and six. So probably um, w- wouldn't harm them necessarily by saying it to them, you know, because it'll they, they won't really get it, uh, but it, you're not gonna get much from it until about eight. So, so they have to say something and um, uh, and it would be good to know, like, what precipitated the suicide. Uh, a safe thing would be to say something like he was he was very depressed. Now, of course, you and I are making this up now because we don't know the whole situation. But let's say he committed suicide 
because of addiction or because of depression, um, then, then we probably would focus on the, he had a disease called depression and he died of that disease for a four-year-old. And that's enough, you know, for a four-year-old. And just, he had a disease and he died of the disease. And then by the time they're about eight, then you could start seeing, well, with that disease, sometimes people will kill themselves and uh, because they can't stand the disease. One good thing to her question, one good thing is that talking to kids about suicide, there isn't a causal link between, uh, between that and them committing suicide later. That's not in the realm of causation. So you're not going <coughs> to, excuse me, cause a child by, by talking to the child at eight about how grandpa killed himself, that's not going to cause a child to commit suicide at 16 or something like that. So we can take that out. That's not, that's really not going to happen. If the, if the child later commits suicide, that child is, is taking his or her own life because of depression or something else, not because the parents talked about it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And you know, kids then are going to ask a lot of questions, right? Um, and uh, the, because they're curious, they're trying to understand this mystery of death. And I see it even in my own grandkids and, and um, trying to get their brains around, um, you know, why their dogs died, for example, or why grandpa's not here anymore, or great grandpa in their case. Um, so w- how much detail uh, is good to go into uh, you know, because kids are going to say, well, how, how did he die? What did he do? Well, you know, and as they get older, they're going to hear about, you know, people doing things like that with pills or other ways of taking their lives. How much detail do you go into? And then how do you talk to them as, as this uh, mom, as Elaine tries to say, to, to say that there are other options available to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you need, uh, it's going to be case by case, but I don't think you need a lot of detail. Like, for instance, Grandpa took 10 Ambien, and that's what killed him. I, we probably wouldn't talk about that that kind of detail with an eight-year-old. Um, uh, you know, but that grandpa t- took pills that killed him. You know, that's probably enough. As the kids get older, as they're in the teen years, and I'll stay with suicide for a moment, and then we can move to just death. But in terms of suicide, as the kids get older, they're more mature, they're more able to handle it and understand it. Uh, we actually don't want to be in the position of withholding too much detail because they'll sort of feel like we're not treating them with maturity, you know? So if they're 15, they should be mature enough for us to say, here's exactly what happened. Here's how it happened. Um, uh, you know, whatever dad, because in this case, it was the father's father. So, you know, to a great extent ought to be the son, um, the kid's father, the son talking about his dad, his relationship with his dad, uh, how he felt not being able to stop his dad from doing that because it, it, there's that powerlessness that the the um, uh, you know that the relatives have who couldn't stop it. That is the self blame, right? Talk really talk to talk to kids about all of this. This is how I feel about this. I thought you know I thought I should be the one to save my dad from doing this, and I couldn't. That's such mature conversation. It's really good conversation for teens. Not not good. Eight year olds won't get that, but for teens, yes. Uh, so the older the kids, the more detail we could go into, and especially how it affected us. Um, because suicide is really so much about how it affects the living, right? The person yes. who dies is gone. It's yep. the living who pick up the pieces. Yeah. So I think sharing those feelings are very important with one's kids. And and the purpose of this podcast isn't to go into why people commit suicide, 
Um, but I do want to just go off on a little tangent because when you started, uh, what you said was so wise. Um, grandpa was depressed or, or grandpa had some sort of disease. And we used to really stigmatize suicides. And, um, and we still do probably to some extent uh, because it is so painful for the living. And uh, we can use words, why, why were they so selfish or why did they do this to us? But oftentimes suicide really is a result of some sort of disease like addiction or depression. Yeah, and or brain injury. Yes. Uh, you know, we have a lot of um, we have a lot of unscanned returning soldiers. Um, you know, they haven't been brain scanned, but if we scanned them, we would see that they have brain damage. And a lot of them are going to be committing suicide or taking their own lives, as we say now. They they are. Uh, if we could scan them, you know, we'd go, "Wow, that's why they did that. Look at that." And um, if we can scan addicted brains, depressed brains, you know, and that, and we say, "Oh." Watch out, you know, this brain could commit suicide because because it is a disease that people have and it reaches a certain point where there just is no nothing else for this person and they have to end it or they feel they have to end it. Right. And right. it's it's a kind of brain damage. So I think we need to talk. That's a science way to do it. And I have always preferred with my kids kind of laying out the science of it rather than a judgment on them. Um the judgment is more a reaction of us who don't know how to handle it, I think. Um, and maybe some of it comes like from a religion, sure, sort of in the old days. But I think now, I think now it's more we, we are powerless and overwhelmed. And so yep. we judge it. Um, yep. And that's okay. I get that. But uh, I think talking about it as disease or as brain damage is good. Yeah. So let's let's just talk about death more broadly and and children. Um, you know, I've got uh, five grandkids, ages ten down to four. All of them have asked death-like questions. Uh, all of them have had uh, a pet, a dog that had to be put down. So that certainly stimulates questions about death. Um, and uh, you know, when when I talk about my parents who are no longer here, well, you know, where are they? What what happened to them? Uh, what what is death? Uh, Grandpa, when are you going to die? Uh, so how do we, uh, and, and there are age-appropriate discussions, understand that, but it's such a big topic. What are some things that we can begin to do with our kids from an early age uh, and then walking them through, say, the, the death of a pet or the death of a grandparent, uh, whatever it might be? How do we talk about death with kids? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that's going to be very individualized, as you know. I mean, you're setting me up to answer that question, but this is one that you could answer as well as I can as a, as a minister. Um, I, I'll, I'll kind of go from that developmental science point of view and say I think that I think that death is such an essential part of life 
And it's so important to raise kids with, with death. Um, uh, so they, so that they understand it's a part of life and almost all our ancestors did. It's only very recently that our, that we got this concept, maybe 50, a hundred years ago, post-industrial revolution, that we should protect our kids from, you know, death, um, because we should make our kids completely comfortable. And that means, you know, protect them from talking about death. I, I don't agree with that. I, I think it doesn't make natural sense. So, um, so how we're going to talk about death is going to be developmental. Um, to help us, I think we take our kids as much as possible where old people are, where they're sick and where they're dying. I think that's good. Um, uh, if there are relatives, great. But if, 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 if it's through a faith community, we volunteer at a hospice, then that's good too. You know, I volunteer and I take my child with me uh, to do the volunteer work I'm doing at a hospice. What, whatever it is, uh, if it's animals like farms, you know, um, farmers and farm communities obviously live with death all the time. Um, uh, let them see that. And then when our, when their pet dies, how essential that is to life, this pet had to die. And if they're religious, they can say God called, you know, this dog home or called this cat home or dog, God called my dad home. Some religious language is fine. Um, if the person isn't religious, then it's going to be more like, well, at a certain point, you know, the body gives out, there's no more energy, but that energy can't really be destroyed. So we know it goes somewhere, we just don't know where. And and that's good too, because it gives the child the sense of, okay, this person is still uh, is still there, is still active, but is, is energy, is soul. Again, now it's gonna be case by case language with every family. Um, I think that's really great for kids. So the kids get that the body dies and also the kids are entered into a kind of quantum universe, you know, in which there's mystery, in which we know that something does happen after death. No one really knows what, but you can't destroy energy. And and so it's something's happening to that energy. I think that's fine. A four-year-old won't really understand it. A 10-year-old can understand it. Uh, and I and there's really no way to do harm by, by creating language for what you believe happens after death, um, uh, whether it's religious language or physics language, just creating it and sticking with it. But most importantly, showing, taking kids to funerals and showing kids that death exists yeah. so that they get used to it. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to the first funeral I went to, and I, I think I was probably in elementary school and it was a great uncle and, um, you know, seeing a body in a casket for the first time and you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I do funerals all the time, and I still have not gotten comfortable with it completely um, just because of the, the finality and the, the deep grief that death brings. And uh, I want to ask you a question about grieving. Um, you know, when you, when you live in the world that I live in, there are a lot of different ways of talking about death and what happens after death. But the one that, that seems not to be helpful from my perspective are the... The little poems that people often use, don't don't grieve for me, I'm in a better place, don't weep for me, I'm okay. I'm not sure that's really helpful for um, anybody, let alone our kids, to say don't grieve. It seems to me that you want to grieve when you love someone deeply. So how do we help our kids grieve a, a through the, the death process and, and let that grief be real and authentic and raw? Yeah, we're going to do it in two ways. One way is we're going to grieve, and so they're going to model off of us. Um, that's going to be the most powerful way. 
they're they're going to grow up grieving by watching how we grieve. So, and some of how we grieve is going to be how we're set up. Some people grieve by getting angry, right? There are stages of it, yep. and and we can tell our kids that's a stage. You know, fair enough. Um, we get sad. There's a stage of that uh, bargaining. You know, we they'll watch us do it, and they'll they'll learn that. And if they watch us grieve and they see us get sad and they see us cry, uh, or some people are not criers, like I don't cry very much, but I grieve and my kids saw me grieve. They could see that I would, my, I would, my throat would choke up when I talked about yep. someone who just died. So they, they got it. I just did it my way. And, um, and they're going to places where grief is happening. Um, they're not like going to do their homework. Um, I'm going to give an example from our Jewish culture. You know, we sit Shiva, which is something where people come together um, during that week after someone dies, you have a little bit of food, but it's basically you say some prayers and you sit and you tell stories and you're supposed to sit on the floor. Like you're not supposed to sit in chairs if you're more orthodox. So there are various rules of it. Well, we, when that would happen, we would take our kids to that and, and uh, as much as possible uh, and to the whole process of being with that family while that family was mm. grieving. Mm. And um, so just, just so they could model it and they yeah. could see it and they could see that it had value. And this is a place where religion does help because religion values it, right? Religion has all these rituals set up for it. Yeah. And no matter the religion, they have rituals set up. And, um, and so, so that can be a help for families that are, don't have religion. I think you can create your own and you definitely want to grieve uh, and let them model. And then the other thing is to talk to them about it. Uh, if, if like, if you don't like those poems, then we're going to talk to these kids about it, you know, right. just to be sharing with kids and say, you know what, I actually don't really like that, that, did you like that? You know, and the kid mm. will say, well, I thought it was okay. Okay. Why? And to, so this becomes a part of the conversation. Excuse me. I notice uh, when we're going through, um, especially with adults, maybe it's true of kids that first year of moving through each and every um, holiday, birthday. Uh, talk about how those can be markers to deal with grief. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They are, it's, that's a great time to have celebration. Um, if it's, if it's early time, like if the birthday hits a month after the death, then it's going to be a grieving time for sure. If it's a year later, it, it can be more celebratory and it can mark sort of, okay, I think I'm finishing, I'm getting closure on the grieving, um, uh, or even two or three months later, depending on how, how close one was with that person, it can mark that. And I, I really think it's great to have those rituals. And and then I think it's okay if, you know, years go by and you're not doing it anymore, because right. to some extent, life moves on. <laughs> and that's something important for kids to know too, that, that uh, life is moving on and that the person who dies uh, and this is an area where I think it's just so important to talk to kids about this. No one dies in vain. <laughs> and uh, I talk to my kids a lot about this. Everyone who dies and everyone who has lived has lived for you, is what I would say to my kids. You know, and everyone who dies is going to die for you so that you can live. You're the next generation so that you can live. So this person has died. What are you going to carry forward from this person? Um, what is the gift this person is leaving you? that you carry forward when you move on. And uh, I think that kind of making the person who dies, trying to figure out what, what the assets are of the person who died and how that can, um, how those assets can get poured into the child is important. And that person 
did die so that this child could live. Right? It's not it's it's metaphorical, but it's almost literal. Right. <laughs> you, you know, that person has made way for this child to live. Uh, so I think that's another neat conversation to have, and that's especially a good thing to do at these ritualized times. Like uh, we're going to raise our glass to Grandma, whose birthday is today. And what about going around the table and talking about, you know, what did what was the gift you got from Grandma? Yeah, that that's really good stuff. And people remember that. My kids remember that years and years later. Yeah, they remember that we used to go around the table and do that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Wow, that's that's really good. And, uh, I, you know, as we're, we're, we have all these different holidays that we celebrate and, uh, you know, some religious, some not religious, really are good times to just remember those who've gone before us and, and have prepared the way for us. That's really good. Mm. Uh, talking about death, the corollary, of course, is to talk about life. And how do we use death? And you've talked a little bit about this already, but how do we use death as a springboard to say, uh, this is the life we have, and uh, what does it mean to live life well um, right. in the midst of it? Yeah, yeah. Four-year-old can't get it yet, but by right. ten or eleven, these kids get when we say to them, "You know, if there weren't death, we really would not live. If we didn't die, we would have no momentum. We would have no motivation to live to live well. Because hey, you know, we're going to live forever. So." What do we do with today? We really wouldn't do much with today. We wouldn't uh, push hard. We wouldn't be ambitious. We wouldn't uh, spread our love as powerfully as we try to spread it today because we're going to live forever. So I'll spread it tomorrow. Um, you know, and that's that's something that I think is a great message of death. And it's also a literal nature-based message. It is death. Death is a part of nature so that uh, so that things grow right? There are seasons. Things grow, and then they die, and then they grow, and then they die. And if that cycle did not exist, I don't think we really would have much passion for life. So um, I've, I've never felt bad with my kids about contextualizing that with them as they got old enough to. And then, and you know, we, we would have debates once a week at our dinner table or more than that. And we would have topics, important topics. And death was a topic that came up in our family and we would ask, you know, the kids, what's your, you know, what are your feelings about it right now? So-and-so died. Let's bring it into our dinner table. Um, and then we, you know, and then we would say, would you really try to do well in school? Would you vision your future as, as A, B, or C if, if death didn't exist? If you were living forever, would you really 
um, yeah. have any motivation, you know, and they'd go, well, let's think about that, <laughs> you know, so, so I think by the time they're getting into pre-puberty and puberty, they can understand that. Yeah. So I, I want to change direction just a little bit as we wrap this up. When my uh, mother-in-law passed away, she was 62 years old. She'd had a year-long battle with cancer. My kids were little. And, um, you know, they didn't really have language to talk about what they were feeling at that point so much. Um, and I think that uh, Jan and I, particularly Jan, we were she was into her own grief that I'm not quite sure we saw the grief that Alicia in particular felt. Mike was a little too young to kind of know what was going on. And um, she started acting out. And uh, one day, I just remember vividly sitting in the basement, and uh, she'd been acting out, and, you know, I was, uh, you know, not necessarily real patient. And she just started bawling and bawling and bawling. And finally, I just sat down next to her, and I said, what's going on? What's happening here? And it all had to do with Grandma dying. Uh, mm -hmm. months earlier and we sort of missed the signs of the grief that she was going through so what are some things that we should be looking for uh when our kids go through a death experience whether it's with a pet uh or it's with a, a family member or someone they love what should we be looking for to say ah they're maybe not quite dealing with grief in a healthy way well it is an abandonment and and so the brain is going to process it as abandonment um this 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 attachment this pet with whom i was attached my grandma with whom i was attached has abandoned me especially if they're young right that's yeah. that's what their brains are going to do first and um everything else is going to be up in the frontal and prefrontal trying to make executive decisions and, and explain to their brain okay this person didn't really abandon you um but but what the brain is experiencing is that so if the if this child is um uh, is acting out, getting angry, uh, or, or sad, pulling away, isolating. Um, all of those would be, you know, signs. And by the way, that the child may be in normal grief. It's like yep. there isn't anything really wrong with the child getting angry. That's how the child is processing it. Right. Uh, we we just it just calls us to try to help the child, and um, and the the child hopefully the parents and the children hopefully can go through some of it together, but some of it we can't. Some of it the child is not ever gonna to express to us. The child will be going along just still doing normal things, still doing homework, you know, still still um, uh, doing whatever, but is grieving and that's okay. It's it's absolutely okay for the, the child to do it in his or her own way and even be somewhat stoic. Yep. Um, that is okay, all, all of those are ways of dealing with it. Um, but if it, if we get extreme sadness or the ex extreme anger, then that's when I would say we we step in. But otherwise, I think we're just there to support the child in doing it and dealing with the abandonment his or her way, and just know it's about abandonment. Right. So we just want to reassure that attachment's gone. But look at these other attachments, and that's that's for the younger. It's like four or five years old. Just keep attaching to them, right? And within a few weeks, they will let go. They, that that pet will not be will not have abandoned them a month from now if we keep attaching to them um but if we're not attached to them because we're going through our own grief and so we've distanced ourselves that's when it can be very confusing for them because they right. have been abandoned do you ever uh, is there ever a point where you say yeah my child my son my daughter just isn't quite getting over this in a healthy way 
Um, maybe I need to talk to somebody. She needs to talk to somebody. Is there ever a place for therapy for younger kids when it comes to death? Oh, like how old when you say younger? Uh, let's say like a six, seven-year-old. Yeah, I, I think there must be a place. I mean, there certainly must be some six or seven-year-olds who, and it's going to depend on the person. Now, if it's a mom or a dad, if it's a primary caregiver who dies, then then you almost default toward uh, counseling or therapy, right? Yeah, right. Because that's that's your parent. Yep. Um, or if your sibling suddenly dies, I mean, that that's you know you probably are thinking we might want to get this child into counseling at a certain point. But if it's like a grandma or a pet, um, uh, you know, the child will generally take the time, and the parent will instinctively know, uh, okay, it's been six months. This is start. This is really affecting his or her life. Yeah. And that's when I would go into counseling. But be if the, if his or her life is not being affected, like if he's still living his life, she's still living her life, but grieving, then maybe don't need counseling. But if life is being affected or derailed, then yes, I would look at counseling even for that young age group. Yep. Okay. Well, this is this is a uh, such an important topic, and Michael, I sure appreciate your willingness to give your insights on it. And um, you too. You know, every every family is going to go through this. And every, you know, not necessarily every child, you know, again, my real first death experiences, I was a little older, we didn't have a pet, so I didn't go through that. But at some point, everybody's going to lose somebody they love. And uh, just to understand, first of all, that we all grieve differently, which is what you said, it's, is really freeing, and uh, that there are resources to help us deal with that, and uh, to just be open, to be authentic, and, and uh, to grieve together. Um, will help our kids enhance uh, their sense of life as well, that this is a part of it, but life does go on. There's still uh, joy. There's still hope to be found. And those are the things that we want to instill in our kids as they move uh, closer and closer to adulthood. Um, Thank you, Michael, for this stuff. Thank you, uh, Tim. Thank you for uh, Elaine, I think it was, who wrote in the question. We appreciate that. And again, if you've got a question for us, wonderofparenting.com and all of the resources available to you there as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back to you next time with another Wonder of Parenting podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.